when it comes to investing in individual shares, a bit more work needs to be done. A tiny bit more work needs to be done. Um, I'll say it's a tiny bit more work. <laughs> well, maybe not a tiny, but quite a bit of work needs to be done for any any investment. Um, I would say the first thing you want to do. Hello, welcome to Vault Finance, the podcast talking about all things finance and finance related. It's your boy Peter and I'm with my co-host, my brother Jax. How are you, man? Yes, yes, yes. I am very well, Peter. Um, the sun is shining as we are recording this video. I think we're getting closer to spring. I am pretty excited to finally get out and feel some sun on my back. So yeah, I'm great, bro. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I recently retook up jogging because I've been avoiding jogging out there in the cold and I'm trying to keep warm, but it's just too cold. So yeah, I'm back into that now that the sun is back out. So yeah, it's all good, man. We're, we're all good over on this side as well. Good to speak to you. Good to catch up as per usual. Um, we've, of course, got another episode um, for our listeners. So massive warm welcome to all of our listeners from around the world. Um, we hope that you like what you hear. Do the usual. You know what to do. Hit the like, subscribe, share with your people as well and I think we also um me and Jax were talking about we just like to also give a shout out to different cities um representing <laughs> some of our listeners as well so we'll probably give a shout out to various cities per episode um because we do get a lot of listeners across the world so we just want to acknowledge you but we're going to start off with the city that's probably first in terms of numbers and listeners and that's London UK so yes, I just want to yes, give yes. a massive shout out to all of our listeners in London as well so yeah man uh today uh we're just gonna do a nice episode and get straight into it uh so Jax I guess one of the things that we've been discussing and we discuss here and then on on different episodes is around mm-hmm. I guess investing for income um and looking at the different ways of investing for income um there's obviously various different ways and then on this episode we're probably going to go into a bit more detail on one of them but um you know, we've had um, people like Palumi talk about, uh, come on one of our episodes, talk about um, property investing, you know, um, how to build up your property portfolio, um, investing through uh, a business, um, innovative ways as well, such as pair-to-pair lending. Um, and yeah, it'll be good to hear a bit more um, from your side around different ways of investing briefly. And then let's touch on you know, one of the key areas, which is around, I guess, investing in a business through uh, stocks and shares. Yeah, sure, bro. Um, as you've just very correctly said, um, there's various different ways to invest for income. Um, there's a funny phrase that I hear all the time. I think Palumi used it in one of our episodes. He says, buy an income. I absolutely love that idea because it's a very, very proven way to achieve financial freedom at some stage in your life where your assets can actually pay for the liabilities that you have. Of course, there's many different ways. Um, When it comes to investing, um, there's different asset classes. As I've mentioned before, we've got things like stocks and shares, you've got bonds, you've got um, alternatives such as commodities, you've got real estate and so on and so forth. Now, all these assets tend to provide you with a return mainly in two ways. One is either through capital appreciation. So when you buy the asset, the value of the asset can go up in value and you only make a return when you sell the asset for the higher price to a buyer. That's one way. Another way 
is through income, which is what we're talking about today's episode, where you can invest in an asset that generates you an income. For example, a property. Of course, a property can go up in value, but a property can also be rented out and it can generate you income through rental. And then you've got stocks and shares. Many stocks and shares pay you dividends through um, their profits and so on and so forth. So yes, it is something that I really like the idea of. Um, and we can go into much more detail much further on. As you said, there's other innovative ways that pay-to-pay lending, which has gathered a bit more momentum in recent times um, and so on and so forth. So yeah. Absolutely. Cheers to that, Jess. And <clears throat> as you uh, rightly said, it's, uh, it's one way to, I guess, uh, generate um, income as well. So one of the things that we did say we would love to just really touch on is around investing um, for your business via stocks and shares, essentially, um, to receive income in the form of dividends. So, you know, we hear that word thrown around quite a bit. We've got listeners on different parts of the journey. Some people that this is secondhand nature. For some people, it might be one of the first times they're hearing it or even getting a bit of a definition. So I guess it would be good for you to go into a bit more detail. I know you just touched on it, but to go into a bit more detail in terms of what is a dividend, um, what, you know, why dividends, why do companies actually do that, and how is that beneficial to the everyday retail investor like me and you? Yeah, sure, bro. Um, so a dividend is a way for um, a company or a business to return value to their shareholders. So um, there's different ways, and that's a very, very popular way. It's usually paid um, as cash, although there are other ways for dividends to be paid. Sometimes a dividend could be you getting more shares, by the way. But obviously, today we're talking much more about cash dividends. So it's a way for a company to reward its shareholders by distributing some of the profits back to their shareholders in simple terms that is exactly what a dividend is um you wanted me to go further peter in terms of why why companies do it um so a lot of companies um, that you and i as retail investors will invest in would have gone under a process of ipo um an initial public offering where they come onto the public market so you and i and other companies can buy shares in these companies quite easily now why would a company want to do that because they're raising capital, right? There's different ways for companies to raise capital, usually through debt or through equity. So today we're talking about equity. That's why companies come onto the market. Now, some of these companies might be in the early stages of their business cycle, or might be towards the mature stage of their business cycle. What I mean by that is some companies have been around for a very long time, right? They are very profitable, very high cash flowing type of companies. And they are at a stage where they are mature and the likelihood is they can't really capture as much market share um, at a fast rate than a company that's only been around for three, five years, for example. For that reason, for them to attract investors, a lot of what they do is they distribute a lot of their cash flow, their excess cash back to investors through dividends. And that's why they do it. Um, And of course, as an investor, if your objective is to receive cash flow, that is very, very attractive to you. Think of it like this. Think of all the pension funds that invest in assets. A lot of these pension funds or people that are requiring income will want to invest in certain type of assets that pay you a consistent kind of reliable source of income. And what better way to do that than to invest in a very high profitable company that's well-established and has been around for many, many years. 
Nice one. We're going to talk a bit more about, <clears throat> you mentioned a company that's well established. We're going to talk a bit more about the different types of um, dividend uh, companies and the, the journey that they take through to actually start paying dividends because some companies, as you might know, might pay dividends a bit early in the journey and some wait till they've been, you know, uh, generating uh, profits for a significant number of years before they do that. But essentially what you're saying is that if a company's got to a stage where they've been well established, they probably are still going to be growing, but not at the growth rate at the earlier stages. And then it's time to start, I guess, you know, paying uh, shareholders essentially. Yes, yes. A big part of what you've said, and that should be, should be, should be picked up on, is the word rate, um, is the growth rate. Because um, just because a company is paying dividends doesn't mean they're still not growing. Um, and actually, there is two different strategies when it comes to dividend investing. There's income investing, which is similar to what I described earlier when I said, you know, there's people that are retired or people that really, really um, rely on the income generated from these companies. But then if you're younger and you've got a very long term horizon, another strategy is not to go for dividend income per se, but you can go for dividend growth. And that is an amazing way to start your journey towards financial freedom where you invest in companies that may be in the earlier stages of their business cycle compared to the very mature ones. And they may be in industries that are still very, very um, new-ish and still growing, for example, the technology sector, and then they will pay you a dividend. But these companies not only pay you a dividend, but they grow their dividends as well as they grow as a company and as the industry and sector grows as well. So if you are younger, it is common to actually go for the dividend growth strategy rather than the dividend income strategy. Dividend growth, two favourite words. <laughs> um, and so without going too much into details um, in terms of names of companies, but as an example, we can name one or two that everyone would know. So um, both Microsoft and Apple, for example, they both pay um, dividends, but they're growing at fairly healthy rates, some would say. And um, would you class them as, I guess, dividend growth companies? Um, yeah, I mean, I really like um, the companies you've just mentioned. Um, industry, there are established companies, but they are in industries that are still growing. And that makes a very, very good partnership for a dividend growth investor. I think, um, yeah, most companies within the tech sector, in my humble opinion, those established companies, mm -hmm. those companies are very good dividend growth companies. Awesome. Um, and I guess, you know, um, we've pretty much uh, touched on it, but for the everyday listener, maybe in their late teens, their 20s, their 30s, their 40s even, why should they? So we all know right now, if you was to look at the stock market, if you was to put on channel on TV talking about finances and stock market, etc., you'll be looking, uh, they'll be talking about companies that are just exploding at the moment and doing this and that. So you're your Teslas that um, have been booming for past couple of years and a few other companies rather than sort of, and I'll put, I would probably, I would say um, boring, if, if I'm honest, um, boring companies in terms of slow growth rate as well. Um, I guess what is the benefits to a younger group of people looking and making sure they have dividend companies in their portfolio? <laughs> I love the fact that you've brought this topic up because I was speaking to a few of the younger generation in recent times who obviously have been attracted to 
everything that's going on in the stock market today. I say, guys, we are in, as BMP say, we're in cuckoo land, you know, everything seems to be going up. And that's really, really attracting a whole bunch of new retail investors. Uh, well, I use the word investors very, very, you know, cautiously, mm-hmm. because a lot of these people are not actually coming to invest. They are coming to try and make a quick buck, which is where I really, really encourage people to, to be very, very careful. Um, Pia, you mentioned um, investing in companies that pay dividends, and some of these companies are sometimes seen as boring um, because they don't have the volatility of the companies that um, that some people are much more interested in. I think that's fine. I think that's fine. And the benefit of that, as you ask, is you are investing in very well-established companies. It comes down to your ability and willingness to take risk. If you are investing in a very well-established company, a company that's consistently generating profits, a company that has a very, very strong balance sheet, the likelihood is you're not going to lose your money. Rule number one, Peter, never lose money. <laughs> so, um, From the you, famous Warren Buffett. That's from the famous Warren Buffett. So I think as part of a well-diversified portfolio, I th- personally think everybody should have at least a few established companies in their portfolio again it does depend on your ability and willingness to take risk but if i if someone you know my brother came to ask me how to he should structure a portfolio i would tell him to consider being very well diversified but also consider buying some very very established companies to represent the core of your portfolio and then you can think about some more more speculative kind of companies to represent a very small percentage of your portfolio Brilliant. Absolutely. And, um, and it's just, yeah, it's really interesting that you mentioned, as I said, you know, um, for someone in, in our age group, it's about trying to get that balance between so-called boring, but very respectful. Um, and for me, I'm a, I'm a big fan of dividend um, investing, as you would know as well. And sometimes it's hard to put, I guess, put things aside in companies that might not have the biggest growth when you're looking on the other side and you're seeing all of this lovely bit of growth it's like oh am I missing out (laughs) but then it's like how do you get that right balance I guess yeah it's about being as honest um, with yourself as possible it's about um, getting educated to understand what you're buying and why you're buying it it's about having an objective before you start investing Um, and you know understanding that things don't always just go up Hmm. Um, unfortunately people will have to find out the hard way um, rather than being educated and making decisions that they know are supposed to be the right decisions if that makes sense so yeah I think you know as you said you like you know the boring kind of way of investing but I know you very well and I know that you structure a portfolio that you can even have some speculative ones but a very very small percentage of your portfolio which Hmm. is fine okay um, on a personal level, I would say everybody, in my opinion, should have some um, dividend-paying stocks in their portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you look at the best investors, probably of all time, if you was to go and look at Warren Buffett's portfolio, mm-hmm. I can guarantee you that about ninety percent, maybe if maybe more, I think probably ninety-five percent of the uh, you know investments or the companies he has in his portfolio over at Berkshire Hathaway they all pay dividends. Mm. They all pay dividends. And I want to make something very clear and provide you guys with some level of education today. When you are investing in something, if you're investing purely for capital appreciation, it's harder to do. Or what I say is harder to do, it's harder to predict with some level of confidence Mm. because capital appreciation comes from understanding that investing in a stock market is a marketplace. 
and for your investments to go up in capital appreciation, it comes down to demand and supply, right? You can't really determine demand and supply that very well. You can, you know, a, a very bad company can still go up in share price if a lot of people want to buy shares in that company, okay? And a very good company can still go down in share price if not many people want to buy shares in that company. Mm. And that's fine. Usually that provides an opportunity for us investors that are willing to take the time to research. But you have to understand it's harder to do. When you are investing in companies that pay dividends, it's more of a business decision. It feels more like a business decision anyway, right? Because when you analyze the company, you can analyze the cash flow that these companies present, the free cash flow, how mm. often they've been doing it. It's easier to understand. Warren Buffett taught me something that I will never forget as an investor, and it's helped me become a much better investor. He said, invest in a stock market almost as if the stock market didn't exist. Mm. And what does that mean? He said, would you invest in this company if the stock market didn't, inv- didn't exist, basically? So what he means is if the stock market was shut today and you wasn't going to check your portfolio every day to see the volatility, would you still invest in a company that you have invested in? And my answer mm. is, Mostly now, yes. If I can't answer that that question confidently, then the likelihood is I'm just speculating and I'm hoping for some short-term volatility. But if that company is a profitable company, if that company distributes some of their profits back to me as a shareholder, then I don't need to worry about the stock market every single day and how it moves every single day. I can hold that company for a very long time and receive cash flow as time goes on and increase my position. So as I contribute and I buy more shares, as I reinvest the, the dividends, I increase my stake in the company. And that's what investing is. Let me remind everybody, investing is buying shares in a business. And so when you buy shares in a business, you are making a business decision. When you are researching, you are researching to make a business decision, not a gambling decision, which unfortunately is what I'm starting to see in the stock market today. Such a... Um a triggering but healthy challenge or reflection from oh, Mr. you know Barrett. I don't like triggering people. yeah <laughs> <laughs> from uh, what you gathered from Mr Buffett um, and yeah definitely um, in agreement uh, with that as well talking of Mr uh, Buffett who owns um, through Berkshire mainly dividend um, paying stocks Berkshire themselves don't pay dividends well that's another story for another day I, I can explain that very quickly it's to Come do with that I'll try and explain that very quickly. It's to do with um, how value is represented back to the shareholder. So what Warren Buffett is saying is I'm not paying dividends because I think I could do better for you, the investor, by using that money to reinvest, Mm. right? So remember, um, dividends is a way for the company to distribute its profits back to the shareholder. What Warren Buffett is promising his clients is, okay, we are profitable. We invest in profitable companies, right? We get a lot of cash flow, but we think we can do better than giving you the cash. If, we, if you allow us to reinvest, well, I say allow us, he actually just does it, <laughs> to reinvest um, um, for you, we believe we will do better. We believe the allocation of money is better in our hands than in your hands mm. if you want to grow your portfolio. And that's why. And, and I guess the history of their performance is showing just that, right? Well, exactly. That's, that's why people <laughs> invest in them. <laughs> and that's why people are happy not to receive the dividends as cash. Bless. Awesome. Thanks for that uh, vaccination. Um, and so I guess, so we've spoken about, you know, um, investing in, in, in respectful uh, dividend paying companies um, and what they may look like. Um, it will be good to, I guess, take a bit more of a deeper dive in. So 
someone's listening, someone wants to start building up a dividend paying um, portfolio, for example, what should one really be looking for when choosing a dividend paying company or fund or whatever? Yeah, well, first and foremost, if you are brand new, um, the chances are you're better off um, actually investing in potentially dividend paying um, ETFs or funds mm. um, or index funds and that kind of stuff because you get that immediate diversification. Um, you can spread it across, let's say, three or four funds, maybe in different industries. So some of the most popular type of um, industries that pay dividends are like, you know, the financial sector, you know, most banks pay dividends, um, healthcare sector they pay dividends. Um, you can even choose um, emerging markets. A lot of these companies pay dividends as well. Um, and also another one could be real estate, right? Mm. So you can buy, um, obviously, REITs, real estate investment trusts. You could buy that in a, um, in a fund as well. So that's, that's a very easy way to get started, especially if you want to build a well-diversified portfolio. When it comes to investing in individual shares, a bit more work needs to be done. A tiny bit more work needs to be done. Um, I'll say a tiny bit more work. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not a tiny, but quite a bit of work needs to be done for any any investment. Um, I would say the first thing you want to do is you actually want to understand the company with any investment. How does the company make money? How long have they been making money for? Um, you could do a bit of analysis when it comes to just purely the dividend. So look for things like the dividend payout ratio. Um, in the UK, we tend to use something called the dividend cover. It's the same thing. It just tells you a different. Is it, it tells you the same thing, but it gives you from a different lens. Um, you can also look at the free cash flow that a company consistently generates, whether the company is consistently um, generating revenues and that kind of stuff. Um, if you are investing again and you are someone who hasn't been investing for too long and maybe you like the experience, get education first. I'll plug Jack's Financial, which is myself. <laughs> you can sit down with me and I can go through how you can analyze these things. But what I would say is when you are about to start investing, you need to ask yourself the same questions you ask with any portfolio that you're about to start investing in. Um, what is your objective? What is the time horizon, which is how long you're um, happy to lock the money away for or how long you're willing to wait for the investment case to manifest um, and your ability and willingness to take risk, right? Because some dividend paying companies are more riskier than others. What I would also say is, Again, what I mentioned earlier, are you doing dividend growth investing or are you doing dividend income investing? Or do you want a combination of both? Mm -hmm. Now, if you are someone, and this is pure golden nuggets, right? If you are someone who is planning to live off the income that your portfolio generates um, soon, let's say in the next 10 years, uh, maybe in the next 10 to 15 years, then your kind of your um, strategy and the kind of income that you look for and starting yield is different to somebody who's 18 years old, 25 years old, and is happy to invest in dividend paying companies until retirement at the age of 57, for example, mm. okay? In that case, you probably want to go for dividend growth if you're younger, and if mm. the older you are, you kind of go for dividend income as you kind of get closer to retirement. In that case, starting yield matters. Mm. Um, if, if the starting yield of 1% is there for a dividend growth company, but a company is growing that amount of dividends that they are paying in double digits, that's very, very nice. And that's sexy for someone who's starting off their dividend growth journey and has a very long-term horizon. Mm. But if you're older, um, the focus should be much more on the starting yield. Um, you want the starting yield to be 
higher than usual, but mm-hmm. be very, very careful of the yield trap. You don't want to just go for a company because they are paying a high yield. You have to be let, very careful of that. Let, let's go into a bit more <laughs> on that and then I'm going to backtrack to the starting yield um, and the yeah. benefits of that. Because sometimes when people see such a low number, but they're so young and they can be investing for the next 20, 30 years, they don't, might not understand like the full benefits of that when it comes to like the yield and cost, all of that stuff as well. Yeah. But yeah. Um, that dividend trap in terms of the high yield, <laughs> I get what's a, I guess what's a high yield and... If if someone wants to say I'm investing in this company because they pay X they pay X amount in terms of dividend yield, why is that noise the best decision? Yeah, <laughs> it's something I've I've seen happen quite a few times with clients that book with me later on. It's a common um, mistake, by the way, pay. for our listeners. Make sure we're going to be doing an episode on common mistakes people make <laughs> when investing, and we're also going to be doing an episode around um investing in funds as well. So make sure you do stay tuned. But yes. back to you, Jack. Yeah, yeah I can't wait for the common mistakes because <laughs> even I've made quite a few. Um, I'm telling you, so many. And we'll continue making mistakes, but this exactly. is why shows like this are so good because we're learning from each other as well. So. Yeah. Yep. Exactly, exactly. So we're talking about um, why, why the high yields are not always a good thing. Mm. Um, so first and foremost, what is a, is a yield? What is a dividend yield? Mm. Uh, let's put it very simply. If you was about to invest £100 today um, in a company and you saw the company had a dividend yield of 10%, it means over the course of the year, you will receive £10 in dividends, okay? Based on what's happened over in the previous year or in previous times, Okay. Um, that's simply what a dividend yield is. So obviously, as an investor, that kind of attracts you. The higher the dividend yield, the more income you think you're going to get. Um, and that's um, obviously very attractive. However, the dividend yield is directly um, related to the current stock price, right? Because obviously, when you're buying um, shares in a company, you pay the current stock price. And that's what actually creates the formula for calculating the dividend yield. Um so if you, if you see a high dividend yield, the likelihood is the current stock price has come down or it's on its way, on its way down. Um, and you have to be very careful to not, um, there's a funny term that, that we use, it's called catch a falling knife. Basically, you don't want to catch a, a company that might have been in its mature stage and is on its way to its grave um, because that's part of a business cycle for some companies. Um, and a lot of that can happen, especially in current times, because think of it, the way the world is changing, and I'm sure you agree, Peter, um, some industries feel like they're becoming more obsolete. There's a lot more uh, innovation disruptors that are really disrupting certain companies. And so if they, them companies don't innovate and keep up with your times, they could really be on, on their way down. And you have right. to be very, very um, wary of those companies. And those companies will probably have a high dividend yield. <laughs> Just before on their way, absolutely. I mean, you know, ten years ago, certain shops that have been gone um, gone into administration the past few months, we might not have thought that would have ever happened. But absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you, you don't want to really be um, investing in companies just because they have a high um, a high yield. Um, I would say, um, if I had to use some numbers, I would say if you see a yield of potentially. Seven uh, percent and above, then you should do. I mean, that should give you a red flag, and you should probably go and do a bit more research. It doesn't mean the company is absolutely going to go down and under. It could just be temporary, but and and that could maybe even present an opportunity. But the likelihood is is a red flag, and you should do more research. Which is why you don't buy anything that you don't understand and anything you've not done research on. That's where you then go and look at the payout ratio, which shows you, for example, how much of the company's net income is being paid 
um, as dividends and obviously look at the free cash flow and that kind of stuff. Um, and obviously try and understand the business at a high level as well. And I guess without getting too complicated, different sectors and would have different varying levels of what a good payout ratio for that mm. company would be as well. But people could, of course, do that as part of their research into a particular company or sector as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, for example, real estate investment trusts, um, we are, are quite yeah. well known for paying high yields. Um, and actually, if you're someone who requires high yield, that should probably represent a higher potential of, percentage of your portfolio. Mm. Um, and then obviously tech companies don't usually pay, especially the software kind of companies, which funny enough, I think are better companies. <laughs> mm. um, they don't really pay a high yield. But again, as we said, if you're a dividend growth investor, these may be better companies for you. So, so let's actually talk a bit more about that, actually, in terms of the starting year. So some people might get put off when they see they're building, they're in their 20s, maybe early 30s or going to late 30s as well. They, and even 40s, whatever, man, people are living much longer as well. But um, yeah. they might see uh, a company, you know, the starting yield is fairly low and that might put them off. And um, But it's actually a decent, a really good company. Why might that not be the best reason to you know, or the only reason to just put, um, you know, be put off by that. Yeah, I mean, 